Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, internet world, everybody watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, everybody listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. You are listening and tuning in to the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central. Another day, Thursday. Welcome in. We are, what, week number two of August, so we are right around the corner. I think 23 days away. 23 days away from Alabama kicking off against MTSU. The Blue Raiders coming into town here pretty, pretty soon. And we're going to have a fun day. We're going to have a fun, fun fun Thursday right here on the program. We invite you, of course, to jump in and join us on the comment side of things. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You can jump in and join us. Just search it up. Joe Gaither 6 on all the platforms. I actually got the Facebook platform changed from Joe Gaither 31 to Joe Gaither 6. So now every, every platform that you want to find me on, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, whatever else uh, platforms that are that are out there, you can find me at Joe Gaither 6 and send me your comments, your questions, queries, and complaints. We're going to have a fun show today. Before we get into it, we want to tell you to subscribe to other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcasts. We've got our friends Katie Windham and Austin Hannon putting out all things Bama. They had Joey Blackwell on earlier in the week. Joey Blackwell, former uh, former beat writer and reporter for BamaCentral.com. He joined us joined us to talk about Alabama football. And then, of course, we're going to have our friends Blue, Blue Collar Unplugged putting out another episode, putting out an episode later in the week. Blake, Blake Byler, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle getting together for Blue Collar Unplugged, talking all things Alabama basketball related. So what are we going to do today on our show? We're uh, we're right here on the in kind of a weird, not really a lull, but we're kind of waiting on real football to get going. We got to see some football last weekend in Bryant Denny Stadium. The guys will scrimmage again this weekend, but it will be closed to me. It'll be closed to the general public. You'll have to be invited in uh, via certain invitations. I think Red Elephant Club will be invited in, but uh, I will not be invited, and unfortunately, the uh, general public will not be invited to watch the scrimmage this weekend. Uh, But the guys will scrimmage again this weekend. The real football for us that we can all consume together will be NFL preseason. Week number one gets kicked off, I think, on Friday. I think we're actually going to have some games on Friday. I'm really actually focused on Saturday, Bears and Titans. So uh, we will see what my Chicago Bears look like. Just a sidebar, our the Bears offensive line today in practice getting absolutely decimated. Let's uh, talk a lot about Nick Saban. Let's talk Nick Saban. Nick Saban. We've got Nick Saban on the docket. I've got Devontae Smith on the docket. I've got Aaron Rodgers and Bryce Young on the docket. And we'll finish up with a little bit of Alabama softball as Alabama softball had just a smidgen of news yesterday. So let's start with Nick Saban. Of course, the king, the goat, the greatest college football coach ever. You want to argue with me? Fine. Take it up with your mama. I'll give you top three. You want to talk about Bear Bryant and anybody else? That's okay. But Coach Coach Saban, the greatest college football coach in my generation, easily, easily was at the podium yesterday in the Naylor Stone media room. And oh boy, he was he was in a spicy mood and it was a lot of fun. It was interesting. You know, I remember yesterday, if you listened to yesterday's program, I admitted to you guys that I don't often love the Nick Saban press conferences because he doesn't always show his personality and he doesn't always, uh, he's usually very controlled and constructed and uh, very calculated with his messaging. 
I think he was still controlled, calculated with his messaging, uh, but he showed a little spice yesterday. And so it was a lot of fun to be into uh, the Naylor Stone media room, uh, listening to Coach Saban, about a 15-minute period. He got in there about 4.45, 4.50 or so. Uh, scheduled originally at 4.30. When I pulled up to uh, Malmore Center, I could hear the practice horn going off going off for the next period and I realized oh they're, they're running a little bit behind so let's talk coach Saban comes in he comes in and his opening statement basically revolves and, re- and centers around he centers around consistency and performance I think two things two 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 things right off the bat one I think the heat really bothered well I don't want to say bothered but I think the heat affected uh the the Alabama football team yesterday and Nick Saban himself I do I think Nick Saban was a little ornery yesterday with the media because of the heat factor he came in first the first little uh comment that he made was hey guys y'all enjoying the AC and coach thank you no no big deal like I you crack on the media all you want it's no 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 problem for me we are enjoying the air conditioning we volunteered to do the uh press conferences outside and we volunteered to spend the two, two and a half hours outside watching practice, but he quickly shut that down. Coach Saban yesterday opened up his press conference really by talking about consistency in performance and really highlighting the last portion of practice. Uh, I think the last portion of practice probably did not go as as well as uh, as he would have liked. And so he highlights the LSU game and the Tennessee game and really says we need to focus on the last period of practice and make it as crisp and as efficient and make it as consistent as the first period of practice. Coach Saban talked about offensive linemen making correct checks, secondaries making correct checks, everyone communicating uh, at the, all the way through the, the entirety of practice. Coach Saban highlighting the two longest games of the year last year. Look, oh, that's a fine for Joe. I got to uh, turn my turn my ringer off on my phone. Uh, somebody calling me on the show. <laughs> we got to turn the ringer off. Sorry about that. Uh, Coach Saban yesterday highlighting the Tennessee and LSU matchups from last season. Obviously, the two games that Alabama lost. Uh, and we, terrible. We, we, we don't want to have any losses, and it was, it was, ter- it was not, not, not fun. We've talked about the reasons why uh, ad nauseum uh, throughout the offseason. Coach Saban really uh, leaning on and saying, okay, those are our two, two longest games of the year. Four hours apiece. Excuse me. Four hours apiece. And you've got you've got two factors at play. One, CBS. Okay, those are, you remember those are two CBS games. And CBS milked every single second of those matchups. One, CBS, we got to do a little better this year. And hopefully when we move to ESPN, we can do a little better having a more efficient game, having a quicker game. Too many commercial breaks, stretching the games out. Look, if you just take, and this is just football in general, if you just take all the plays, snap, 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 and you cut out all the commercials and you cut out all the dead spaces, you're only getting about 35, 40 minutes of action. Now, you spread that 35, 40 minutes of action over four hours, uh, and really, yes, you are mentally taxing our players. You're mentally taxing our players. You're mentally taxing the other players. It's just not, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the best product to put on the field uh, to put on your television. Now, obviously, we're all watching football anyways, but a 2.30 kickoff that ends at 7.30 is just, I don't know. That's a that's no fun. I think that uh, hurts the product that you're trying to put on from a CBS perspective. But Coach Saban, there's nothing Coach Saban can do about what CBS is going to do and what ESPN is going to do and how they're going to run their games. So Coach Saban emphasizing 
the fact that Alabama, our players, our team, needs to be more focused throughout the course of the game, the four-hour game, and how they can do that and what they can do is stretch and push the Alabama team during practice. And you got he really emphasized the end of practice needs to be just as good and just as crisp as the beginning of practice. It seems like Coach is seeing a lot of good competitiveness out there through the first couple of uh, first handful of days in practice. Now, look, yesterday was the first day in pads, and so Coach, you know, acknowledged that that uh, ramps up the level of intensity just a little bit. And if you are not living in Tuscaloosa or in the West Alabama area, you're watching us from out of town. One, I thank you for that. I appreciate anybody watching, but it was. Oh, so swampy hot yesterday. It was swampy hot. It was just, it was hot like you were walking out of your door and you're swimming uh, through the humidity. You turn on the uh, the Weather Channel app and it says the heat index is 104, 105. Really, at six at 7 o'clock when I had dinner, I had dinner last night about 7.20 or so after Coach Saban wrapped his stuff up. I went and had dinner. Appreciate that. Uh, and I looked on my weather app and I still saw 102 on the heat index and just absolutely brutal and like look I'm not an athlete we've done this before I'm an average anti athlete I'm you know right at right at 510 180 I'm not not really you know getting after it that much where when I'm walking Abby walking the dog oh I'm drenched in sweat and we're only going 35 45 minutes we're not doing anything crazy we're not doing anything wild nothing at a world-class level like the Alabama Crimson Tide football team is and I am sweating it takes me about 20 minutes uh after after a walk to kind of cool down so for the players golly going up against each other pushing each other uh really trying to one uh you know fight for positions on the depth chart it's got to be brutal i mean they started at 2 30 yesterday they started at 2 30 yesterday and went through the middle of the afternoon got to be brutal uh, and so Coach Saban highlighting that, and I think Coach Saban really uh, utilizing the heat to try to push the players to places where they're a bit uncomfortable, a bit uncomfortable with themselves, a bit uncomfortable with the conditions, and really, you all know the Coach Bryant, uh, the Coach Bryant quote: "I want my players, if they're going to quit, I want them to quit in practice, so I know, you know, that that." You know, I want to know who's going to be out there for the games and who's going to be in there and giving it their all for the entirety of the of the games. Coach Saban, I think, drawing a little page out of the Coach Bryant playbook. Uh, I know those Coach those Coach Bryant notebooks still up there in the uh, in the in the Malmore Center. Uh, so so Coach Coach Saban really highlighting yesterday, opening his conversation with the media about consistency in the performance and consistency throughout the entirety of the Alabama football practice. I think it's I think it's very good. You know, look, you think about Tennessee ran your ragged. Tennessee uh, spread you out, ran you ragged. Not only did CBS do you no favors with a four-hour game, but they ran you ragged. And, and really, Jaden Daniels did the same thing with LSU, uh, using his mobility to stretch the field and just extend plays. And so defensively, I mean, def defensively, we're going to have to be better conditioned going forward. I don't know. What I, I don't know who that falls on. I don't really want to say it falls on uh, David Ballou. I don't. I don't think anybody's doing a bad job. But I think Coach Saban and I think Kevin Steele are going to raise the level of intensity, raise the level of, of uh, raise what's required, uh, raise the bar, raise the standard for how conditioned and how mentally tough uh, the Alabama team is and specifically the Alabama defense is coach Saban I think he was a little ornery yesterday because I feel like the defense not, didn't have a bad day but 
Uh, I think the offense had a bit of a better day yesterday, and that combined with the heat put Coach Saban in a little bit of an ornery mood. And so, uh, no, we don't, we don't, we don't mind that, Coach. You, you know, you you have your prerogative to act however you want to after after practices. Uh, I enjoyed the entertainment. I enjoyed uh, the fact that it wasn't just vanilla. Well, we're working hard. Well. Uh, everything's going well. Well, we want to get better. No, I enjoyed the personality. I enjoyed the the uh, conversation yesterday with Coach Saban. Middle of the press conference, somebody asked, Coach, you emphasize, you're emphasizing the down-in and down-out consistency, and you're emphasizing uh, trying to, to have play-in and play-out intensity. Do you think your message, do you think that everything is going well, or do you think are you seeing improvement? And Coach was so dry. Oh, Coach was perfect. He was so dry. He goes, well, I wouldn't be preaching it if, if I was pleased with what I was seeing. <laughs> He just looked right at us and said, well, wouldn't be talking about it if it was uh, if everything was going well. And then he emphasized that even if it was going well, it can always be better, which he is right. It can't always be better, but just hilarious. Coach was per. Oh, gosh, he was in his bag yesterday uh, calling the media soft due to the air conditioning and coach. Yes, you see, maybe you don't see the fan over my head. It's nice and cool in my uh, in my own home right now. And so I am um, uh, I will accept the soft label. Uh, coach, and I'm trying to get a little faster, trying to get a little stronger, trying to get a little slimmer, trying to be a little more disciplined. But yes, coach, I will accept the soft label. All right, let's talk about actual football. Let's talk actual football. One thing that he mentioned, the first question right off the bat. I got I got the first question off the bat, and I got the Pete Rose conversation uh, left on the Nick Saban topic for yesterday's press conference. If you missed yesterday's press conference, you can check it out all on Bama Central's YouTube channel. Myself and Austin Hannon were right there. You can see it on the Alabama Athletics YouTube channel if you want to look at it right there as well. You get real clean audio off of that. Really, I'm filming off my phone, so not always the cleanest audio. We Apologize for that, but we are there each and every day. Today, we had Katie Windham and Will Miller listening to and talking to, we, who were they talking to? Terry and Arnold and, uh, J- J- Terry and Arnold and Jermaine Burton. So you can re- look out for their, their conversations on BamaCentral.com. Katie Windham already putting up a piece titled, What Both Sides of the Ball Have Seen from the Alabama Quarterback Competition. So make sure you want to l- read that, Katie Windham, right there for BamaCentral.com. All right, so the real football, Coach Saban talked. His first question was, hey, Coach, how is Terrence Ferguson doing? Terrence Ferguson. If you guys have not familiarized yourself with the new with, with the new Alabama team, it's okay. It's a okay. You still have 23 days to get ready for the season, and and partly that's what I'm here for. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, redshirt sophomore out of Georgia, is redshirt sophomore uh, offensive lineman out of Georgia has really it seemed like uh, worked himself into a starting offensive lineman position. Coach Saban talked yesterday about Terrence Ferguson and said, oh, we're really pleased with him. Obviously, you want to see more consistency and performance. You got a lot of the coach speak out of the Terrence Ferguson answer. But what really stood out to me, what really stood out to me in the Terrence Ferguson answer is coach says, I view him as a starter, and I think we have six or seven starters on the offensive line. 
Well, Coach, uh, traditionally, uh, you know, you're the football expert. I am not. I am the football amateur. I like to watch it, but you are the expert, not me. But traditionally, from my amateur perspective, from what I have seen in my 33 years, you only play five offensive linemen. So if you're telling me that Alabama has six or seven starters along the offensive line, uh, that triggers me into two thoughts. That triggers me into two thoughts. One, Positive, highly, highly, highly positive to have depth on the offensive line. Oh my gosh, think back. Think back to 21. 2021, you were stretching, you were scrambling for depth on the offensive line. No disrespect to you, Chris Owens, but you weren't really at the Alabama starters level uh, as far as offensive linemen. You threw out a right tackle that really wasn't, really wasn't ready to play. And you really, he had some issues last year. Last year, I love you, Emil Ekior, but you had some issues with consistency and had some issues with physicality last year. But Coach Saban, if you're going to tell me that you're walking into the year, now obviously you still got to get there 23 days away. We knock on wood. We hope everyone is healthy. We don't want any injuries on Alabama or any other team. We I, des- I despise preseason injuries. I despise injuries anyways, but I despise preseason injuries the most because these guys have been working their tails off over the summer. Uh, But yeah, we're 23 days away and we're going to have six or seven starting offensive linemen. It makes me think, who are they? What are we going to do? So I was out there at the practice on Saturday or at the open scrimmage on Saturday. And from my vantage point, the starting offensive line looked like from left to right, uh, looked like uh, Caden Proctor, looked like Elijah Pritchett, looked like Seth McLaughlin, looked like Tyler Booker, and then looked like J.C. Latham. So we'll take those five. Uh, But at some point during the practice, uh, Elijah Pritchett uh, is, is kind of, Elijah Pritchett gets uh, banged up. We don't know his status. Coach Saban hasn't updated us on his status, and I'm sure it, uh, it didn't look serious, but you, you never know. I don't want to speculate. Uh, so when Elijah Pritchett was uh, removed or when he went, when he went to the locker room to, to kind of get that checked out, Terrence Ferguson was the first one in there. Terrence Ferguson makes your sixth, and then if you say, okay, where's the seventh? It's Darren Dalcourt. It's got to be Darren Dalcourt. Darren Dalcourt uh, is basically a redshirt senior. He's, he's been on the team for, for ages. You all know how he and Seth McLaughlin have battled back and forth at the center position for really their entirety of their career, at least the last three years. Uh, Seth McLaughlin really getting into the offensive line rotation in 21 and kind of fighting for that position in 22. I think he's got it locked down. I think he has got it locked down. You listen to Saban yesterday. He's asked about Seth McLaughlin, and he went as far as Coach Saban usually goes when he wants to highly praise a player. I mean, Coach Saban didn't out and out, you know, say he's awesome and say he's great. But uh, Coach Saban, let, let, me, let me get to his quote. Let's see what Coach Saban said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, where's my Seth McLaughlin at the, towards the end? Here we go. Uh, he, he does really, really well. So does Darren Dalcourt when playing center. I think when you have veteran guys that uh, have sort of contributed, it's good. JC and those guys set the tone for the whole group with Seth. He's done a really, really good job. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. He's always had a tremendous attitude. I don't think anybody's ever going to go wrong hiring him. I don't care what he ends up doing. He's got the right stuff. So that that really sounds like a uh, Barrett Jones kind of a compliment. That really sounds like a um, – I mean, really, that's what it sounds, it sounds like to me. Uh, really complimenting Seth McLaughlin's personality, his intensity, his – 
physical transformation, getting bigger and stronger, and just kind of the, his intensity, how he his mindset, setting the tone for the offensive line. I think Seth McLaughlin's locked down your center position. And so Dalcourt, you're trying to fight with Booker. You're trying to fight with Elijah Pritchett uh, for one of those guard spots. You have seven guys. I think Caden Proctor, look, Caden Proctor, oh, my gosh. You're just going to have to throw him out there, and you're going to have to throw him out there and deal with some growing pains. But that man, he is huge. God, that man is huge. You're going to deal with a little foot speed issue as far as getting caught up to the college game, and you're going to deal with a little bit of an issue of dealing with college pass rushers. But, look, you are in the best position possible. You you get to deal with Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner each and every day. You get to deal with Keanu Coat. You get to deal with Keon Keeley. You get to deal with all kinds of edge rushers at in Alabama practice. So Caden Proctor going to really, I think, going to be a great offensive lineman for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You think about uh, Terrence Ferguson, and you think about what Coach Saban really said about Ferguson and about the offensive linemen. I I, I hope that really the guys have uh, are, are really – I hope the players, or at least the coaches, are listening to the players, the, the leaders of the team, the offensive linemen talk, uh, okay, here's the full quote. Terrence Ferguson's playing really, really well. He's gotten bigger and stronger. He's also been very explosive and had an explosive power and body quickness. He's very confident in what he's doing. We're playing him at center some too, which he's done a very good job of. He's showing some maturity, and I look at him as a starter on our team. I think we have six or seven guys who may be starters, so we're seeing what the best combination is as we go through camp. Now, Coach, Perfect, great answer. Support, fully support from the Peanut Gallery over here. My only concern, oh boy, my only concern is I would love to see that offensive line, those five, the first five, get settled as quickly as possible. I know that a lot of uh, conversation and concentration has been put on the quarterback position, rightfully so. It's, you're the face of the program. You're dealing with all the decision making. You're leading the offense, but to me. It's more important to find the first five offensive linemen than it is to find who's going to be the quarterback. Because I think, look, we've talked about it on the program. I think whoever you throw out a quarterback, whether it's Milrow or Simpson, I think those are your two options at this point. It's Milrow or Simpson. You throw them out there. If your first five offensive linemen it look good, if your first five offensive linemen perform well, then uh, look, everything's going to fall into shape. You're going to be able to play action pass. You're going to be able to run the ball. You've got great running backs. The coaches have raved about the running backs. To me, it's about finding the first five, establishing physicality, establishing five fingers, one fist, punch the defense over and over and over again. Tyler Booker talking about we want to get into the third and the fourth quarter, still running the ball, and these guys thinking, oh, my gosh, would y'all stop? We cannot stop you. Coach, you know what you're doing. You're a pro. You're a genius. Your football, you know, your football mind is ten times, a thousand times, a hundred times, a million times beyond what I am uh, over here in downtown Northport. But I would encourage you to really, really focus on finding that first five as soon as possible, and really, really building the chemistry up with those first five. Terrence Ferguson getting a lot of love yesterday from head coach Nick Saban, Seth McLaughlin as well. I think obviously J.C. Latham is your starter at right tackle. Look, you're, you're guaranteed starters 
if, if, if it's me, is McLaughlin at center, JC at right tackle, and Caden Proctor at left tackle. I think you, you, you figure out who your guards are between Tyler Booker. Look, Tyler Booker has gotten rave reviews for his nastiness. Tyler Booker. And then, okay, that leaves you with one open spot. Are you going to give it to Darren Dalcourt, Elijah Pritchett, or Terrence Ferguson? We'll see as fall camp rolls along. Let's keep going on the Nick Saban conversation. Nick Saban yesterday talking about the speakers that Alabama had uh, come come in over the last couple of days. And, okay, Coach Saban, obviously, look, the, the focus was on, was on Pete Rose. Pete Rose, um, okay, this is going to be a little touchy, but but you, you guys are just, just bear with me. You're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. You're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. This is going to be a little touchy and maybe a little critical of Coach Saban, but I got to be honest, Coach Saban a little bit disappointed me. Disappointed me yesterday when talking about Pete Rose. Now, one, he highlighted Pete Rose's competitive spirit. Okay, that's obvious. You put on a Pete Rose film, you see him sliding headfirst into first base, you see him punt, getting into fights, you see him taking out catchers trying to score runs. Pete Rose was a bleep hole competitor, much like Kobe Bryant, much like uh, Michael Jordan. They had that, he, he has that bone in his body of just, I will die to win this contest. I will kill myself to win this contest, and I expect everybody else on my team to be the same. Now, Look, you can be, you can feel however you want to feel about that style of competitive uh, of competitiveness. I don't know that that's always the best. Obviously, MJ and Kobe and, and Pete Rose are among the best of uh, in their sport. But I don't know if the uh, you know Kobe or Michael Jordan fighting his teammate, punching Steve Kerr, is, is really a story to be celebrated. I don't know that Kobe Bryant icing out his teammates is really stories to be celebrated. Now, look, Pete Rose. His competitive spirit was is, is, is amazing, untold. Uh, World Series champion, uh, great player, obviously all-time leading hits leader in Major League Baseball. What over four thousand hits? He, he's his career accolades on the baseball diamond speak for themselves. You just turn him on, and you can see, wow, that is a special player. Easily. I mean, it's undeniable. It's absolutely undeniable. And so from one perspective, you absolutely want to hear, this is what drove me to be a strong competitor. This is what made me want to fight for every at-bat. This is what made me want to not give up any, uh, you know, anything to the other team. This is what made me want to keep every inch of everything that I ever earned. On one hand, I think that that's absolutely valuable, totally valuable for the Alabama Crimson Tide team to hear. Certainly. But coach, you know, okay, Pete Rose, Pete Rose, look, let's all be honest with ourselves. Pete Rose has a checkered past. Pete Rose has uh, some skeletons in the closets. Pete Rose, obviously, the gambling issues are prevalent. The gambling issue, gambling uh, on baseball is widely known, and he's admitted to that. And obviously, you know, he was uh, banned from baseball in 1989. He's been banned from baseball for 33 years. So, come on, we know the issues at play with, with, with Pete Rose. The secondary issue, a little more touchy and a little more uh, probably problematic, is he ended up ended up in uh, a sexual relationship with a minor uh, in the late seventies. And come on, that's uh, we, we all can agree. If you're watching this show, uh, please agree. If you, if you're disagreeing with me, ooh, I got a question. We can all agree that's bad news. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. I don't care if she's sixteen, seventeen. 
you were a grown adult man and oh gosh, well, okay, times are different, blah, 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 X, Y, Z, excuse array. No, it's wrong. It's bad. Just, uh, leave children alone. Leave children alone romantically. Leave children alone sexually. Let them grow up and, oh wait, come on guys, let's let's all be human and use our brains and come on, that's, that's icky, that's disgusting. But those two things uh, stand out as, as, uh, as kind of black marks on Pete Rose's past and come on, Coach, you bring in Pete Rose, let's have him talk about life lessons. Coach was asked yesterday if Pete Rose addressed his gambling and addressed the sexual misconduct in his past. And Coach really kind of danced around the question. Um, and, and look, that's fine. Coach might be wanting to protect Pete Rose. That could be one reason. Coach might be wanting to that, the, the entire conversation could have been about gambling and the sexual misconduct. But Coach Saban may have wanted to protect Pete Rose. That certainly could be a possibility of why the answer, why the question was answered the way it was yesterday. Coach said, oh, he talked about competitive spirit. Oh, he talked about playing hard. And then when pressed about, so he didn't talk about gambling. He didn't talk about his sexual misconduct. Coach kind of paused. And said, uh, "Well, he addressed it. He said he was wrong. He owned up to it, and he said that it was a it was a mistake. and And then he called he called the person who asked the question a, a mean name. But I'm not going to call you this mean name. Talking to uh, my the, my friend Nick Alvarez right behind me, uh, and he said, but yeah, he did. I mean, he addressed it, but it was mostly about competitive spirit." I got a, I got a problem with that. I'm sorry, Coach. I, I got a problem with that because, look, Coach, look, Pete Rose's uh, accolades on the field stand for themselves. One of the best baseball players to ever play. Uh, you still you can still make the Hall of Fame argument to this day, uh, whether you want to say you know gambling on the game or not is worth keeping keeping keep, keep keeping him out of the uh, Hall of Fame or not. I don't want to argue that. Whatever, that's fine. Uh, he was a great player. A great player, well, well decorated, but you don't bring in the most prolific sports gambler. The most, uh, like, literally, you think who, who else? The, the nineteen eighteen White Sox are the are the only other sports gamblers that I can really. I mean, obviously, you look at you see some news today coming out. Phil Mickelson has gambled over a billion dollars in his career. Uh, you, you don't bring in the most prolific, notorious sports gambler. And not have him focus his talk on gambling. I mean, come on. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Alabama, we ran into some scandal in the spring. Coach Brad Bohannon giving insider information to somebody at a sports book. And trying to, you know, whether he was trying to make money or not or help out his friend. It's illegal. It's wrong. Alabama ran into an issue, and you're seeing issues at Iowa and Iowa State. You're seeing issues all across college uh, college athletics. We know the issues that our former Alabama players have had. Calvin Ridley suspended for an entire year. Jamison Williams suspended for six games this coming season due to gambling improprieties. And look, whether you like gambling or not in the, is, is, is irrelevant. I enjoy paying attention to the lines. Did you see the person who put two or three hundred thousand dollars on Alabama to win the money win on the money line against MTSU? Oh my gosh, so the net was going to be like seven hundred dollars. I hope Alabama wins. I'm sure Alabama will win, but goodness gracious, that person likes to gamble. Gambling is up to yourself. It is up to whatever you want to your own position here. But coach. Hey, how can you bring in the most prolific sports gambler, the one with the biggest black eye in the history of sports, and not have him focus his talk on, look, I did gamble. This was how what it cost me. It's cost me 
millions of dollars because he would still be in. I believe, honestly, he would have still managed through the 90s. I think he still would have managed through the 90s, and, and who knows how much long how, how much longer he would have been in the Hall of Fame. It, the, the the value for Pete Rose it would be it would be through the roof if he if he had never been kicked out of the game for gambling. I'm sorry, Coach. The main point, at least what I thought, the main point of these speakers, the speaker series, is to teach the players to learn lessons. Now, look, you got to learn, and you want to teach, and you want to instill the competitive spirit of Pete Rose. If all 120 players, uh, 85 scholarship guys, and the walk-ons, if they all adopted the Pete Rose competitive spirit, oh gosh, you would have a nasty Alabama football team on the field. You would. And that's guaranteed. I mean, goodness gracious. You would have, what was the phrase last year that Coach Saban used? Hateful competitors. I, 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 you, we would love it. It would be great. You as Alabama fans would love every single weekend because you wouldn't have to go into a week like we did last year. I wonder what Alabama team we're going to get this week. I wonder if we're going to be fired up and executing at a high level, or I wonder if we're going to be inconsistent. No, no, no. You, if, if everybody adopted the, the Pete Rose mindset to competition, this Alabama team would roll would steamroll over over everybody, and so of course that part of the lesson is valuable. But Coach Saban, you got to have Coach, you got to have Pete Rose talk about the gambling issue. For one, you have to guys don't gamble on the game. You don't want to lose your college eligibility. You don't want to have that black mark on your reputation. Guys, wait till you're out of football to gamble. Wait till, you know, don't don't gamble on football. If you need to gamble, go gamble on tiddlywinks. Something. Give positive give positive advice. Uh take your negative story. Now look, nobody likes to have nobody likes to talk about their negative negative stories. Nobody likes to talk about their black marks. Look, I got divorced in 21, 2021. I don't like to talk about it, but if it's if it'll help somebody, if it'll help somebody learn some lessons for their own marriage or make some decisions for their own life, I'll be happy to. Of course, it's embarrassing a little bit. Of course, I made some mistakes, uh, but you just look, Pete Rose. You gotta if you're bringing in Pete Rose, if you're bringing in anybody with a controversial past, they've got to address that head on uh, with the team. And I think uh, I felt like Coach Saban yesterday came off a little bit, and this is kind of bad. Uh, came off a little bit starstruck from 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 Pete Rose's competitive spirit, from what he meant uh, as a player. Obviously, Pete Rose was was an was an amazing player, and was an amazing player at a time where Coach Saban was a younger man, and probably Coach Saban admired him and loved him as a player. Uh, but he came off a little bit starstruck and a little bit just, oh, I'm just so happy that he came and talked to the team about being a competitor and being and, and finding that competitive spirit. He addressed that he that Pete Rose talked about, oh, I didn't have the most talent, I just worked the hardest. Now that's absolutely an admirable trait, a hundred percent. We love hard work in Tuscaloosa. We love it. And we I hope, you know, you, the listener, and you, the viewer, are working hard. I'm sure you're working hard in your own life. I'm trying to work hard in everything. Like, we love hard work. But there were extra layers that Pete Rose could have addressed. Now, look, the sexual misconduct, he never really got a whole, a whole lot of backlash or punishment from that. It kind of became water under the bridge. Honestly, if that never got addressed with, with the team, Okay, I mean, you can you can bring in other uh, other speakers for that. But the gambling, golly, such a prevalent, such a prevalent issue in Pete Rose, Pete Rose's life. I think that uh, if if that was not a 
if that was not a significant part of his of his discussion with the Alabama football team, then it is a severe missed opportunity from Coach Saban. And I don't really see Coach Saban missing a whole lot of opportunities. So maybe I will excuse. Uh, maybe Coach Saban was doing the PR uh, like like he does in the media and just covering for well, I don't want to expose Pete Rose's entire discussion. Uh, and and maybe he that that's kind of the track that he took yesterday. Could be one or the other. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't at the speech. I didn't hear it. Um, so, so, so I got to take Coach Saban's word uh, from yesterday. And I think uh, came off a little weak. It came off a little like we missed the mark from the Alabama fo- football team's uh, standpoint. And I don't like missing the mark. Uh, look, you got a valuable resource. If you're able to go tap into Pete Rose and bring him into the team, hugely valuable resource. No other football, t- no other football team can do that. Oh, the football team's bringing in celebrities like that. So, Coach Saban, uh, I feel like you might have missed an opportunity right there. So, uh, just a, gotta, gotta, it wasn't all positive yesterday at the uh, Naylor Stone Media Room. All right, let's keep this bad boy rolling. I got two more football topics, and then we'll switch to a softball topic before the end of the show. And I appreciate everybody watching us. If you want to agree or disagree, Disagree away. It's no problem. Right here on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central, you can tune in or join us on the Facebook comments. You find me at Joe Gaither 6. You can do it on the Twitter machine or on uh, YouTube at Joe Gaither 6. Send me your comments, questions, queries, and complaints, or just shoot me a DM on the Instagram or the Snapchat. It's all the same at Joe Gaither 6. You can tell us how foolish we are, or maybe if you agree that Coach Saban missed the mark yesterday with the Pete Rose conversation. Okay, we touched on Henry Ruggs yesterday for just a moment, and I'm going back to it to highlight one thing. Yesterday, obviously, if you missed it, uh, Henry Ruggs was sentenced to three to ten years, three to ten years uh, in prison due to his involvement of vehicular manslaughter uh, Miss Tina Tentor and her dog Max, what, oh, November of last year. Tragic, terrible. Ugh! Makes me sick to think about from a Tina Tentor standpoint and from a Henry Rugg standpoint. All parties involved were losers. Um, but w- one thing I do want to highlight is Devontae Smith. Okay, look, you, sometimes you just need a friend. Sometimes you just need a friend. And even when you bleep up, even when you mess up royally, and Henry Ruggs did mess up royally. Yes, no, 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 not not excusing him at all. You need a friend. And so Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, lifetime friend of Henry Ruggs, to ask his coach and gets uh, permission to skip practice yesterday to attend and be at the hearing or at the sentencing of Henry Ruggs. And while, look, that doesn't condone the action for Henry Ruggs at all, at all, at all, at all. Uh, everyone needs a friend. Everyone needs a friend in your lowest moments. And I hope you all realize that. I hope that you all have uh, friends that you can lean on in your lowest moments. And I'm appreciative of my support system. And I want to just highlight and kudos and compliment Devontae Smith for saying, you know what, I could be at practice today, but there's something larger going on in my life, in my personal life, in my relationships. I need to be there for my friend as Henry Ruggs receives some very difficult news. Golly, you get three to ten years. <laughs> Terrible difficult news. Absolutely difficult. And of course, look, no, it's 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 nothing compared to the Tintor family who are not going to have uh, Miss Tina Tintor around anymore. Obviously, that's also uh, the most terrible news. Obviously. Uh, but everyone needs a friend, and I want to compliment Devonte Smith for standing by his friend 
just because you're standing and supporting your friend as they're dealing with punishment. Look, actions have consequences. I believe that Henry Ruggs is accepting the consequences of his actions. He put in a guilty plea. He didn't try to fight it. Uh, obviously, part of that is probably what his lawyers advised. But uh, he's, uh, he, he was apologetic to, to the family. He was apologetic to his fans. He was apologetic to the public yesterday. And so I think you'd probably see in Devontae accept some of that response. Or excuse me, Henry Ruggs accept some of that responsibility. And I want to compliment him for that as he has a very difficult three to ten years ahead of him. And I want to compliment Devontae Smith and the Alabama Brotherhood for standing uh, you know, standing with him, supporting him as he deals with the consequences for his own actions. All right, one more topic on the football side of things, and then we'll flip it to, well, no, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. O.J. Simpson, you got to see this. O.J. Simpson on the, on the Twitter machine talked about, how oh, the sentencing is so messed up. I got nine years for my robbery, and uh, Devontae Smith gets, or uh, Henry Rose gets three years. First off, OJ Simpson, you are not, uh, you are not uh, one to talk about sentencing or murder or anything. Goodness gracious. Oh, oh, gosh. Before I hit the next topic, let's bring in my man, Jeff Wade. Love you, man. Thanks for jumping in on the comments. Back to the offensive line. I like the thought of them being back next year with a year behind them they could be the best o-line in 2024 great point great point look 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 at who the six or seven guys are that coach Saban is highlighting uh you're probably only going to lose jc latham you're going to lose jc latham dalcourt and and seth mclaughlin those three guys you'll move in uh tj ferguson will be a full-time starter terrence uh caden proctor will be a full-time starter pritchett and booker will be a full-time starter that's four guys you'll only need to bring in one more full-time starter do i hear an olasa lennon bell somewhere do i hear a wilkin thornby bell somewhere ringing ready to step in i think so jeff wade you're about to see i think two really strong years of offensive line play i appreciate you jumping in and joining us on the on, on the comments yeah it'll stink to lose JC he'll probably be a top 15 pick McLaughlin and Dalcourt will probably end up being later round picks just because of their body sizes and positions that they play but to reload to come in next year with four starters already on the offensive line projecting 12 months ahead of time and then to what would kind of slide in Olas or Wilkin Formby in that other tackle spot I like what you got right there. Uh, speaking of, you know, Terrence Ferguson circling all the way back. Terrence Ferguson, coach, talking about him working at center as well. Are we maybe preparing him to take over that center role after McLaughlin and Darren Dalcourt move on? Perhaps. I'm very wise of you, Coach David. Uh, last topic for the football side of things before we flip to baseball, and I want to welcome in my mortal enemy, my mortal enemy. Uh, enemy, Aaron Rodgers. I absolutely despise Aaron Rodgers. You guys all know, big time Bears fan, uh, Aaron Rodgers, the tormentor of my life. But I bring Aaron Rodgers into the program because he talked about our man, Bryce Young. Yesterday, the Jets and the Panthers are doing joint practices, as the NFL is one to do. And Aaron Rodgers was asked about Bryce Young, what he sees in Bryce Young, how he feels about Bryce Young, what he notices, and just any advice for Bryce Young. So we will go to my mortal enemy, Aaron Rodgers, right here. If you're watching on the YouTube side, you can see it. If you're listening on the Spotify side, you can hear it. This is Aaron Rodgers talking about one Bryce Young. Uh, I love watching him in college. I like his demeanor. I like his movement. I like the way he throws. Uh, I trust a guy like Adam. You know, him and I are good buddies for a long time. 
and he just raves about him. So I think uh, Carolina's in good hands. Uh, be gentle with yourself. It's a long journey. Uh, it feels like every little snap and practice is the end of the world if it doesn't go right. It's just not true. It's a long, uh, long journey. It's about holding on to your confidence and enjoying the ride, enjoying the little things every day. But I think he's got a great head on the shoulders and he'll be just fine. That's my mortal enemy, Aaron Rodgers, talking about our man, Bryce Young. Now, look, uh, regardless of how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, we can all acknowledge how great he is, how talented he is as a quarterback. Uh, just maybe don't like the team that he used to play for and some of the personality traits that he has exuded over the last decade and a half. But regardless, his value, his, his advice is still strong. His, his eye for talent is still accurate. Uh, and Bryce Young has impressed with the Carolina Panthers already. Look, it took him all of a week in OTAs to earn the starting job. It took him all of half of practice once real fall camp started to have that starting job reconfirmed by Frank Reich. I think Bryce Young and the Panthers, look, do you think about the NFC South? You think about the NFC South. I know maybe a lot of you guys are Saints and or Falcons fans, and I respect that. That ain't no problem with me. Uh, Saints or Falcons fans, you can being the closest team here in Tuscaloosa. But the NFC South is wide open. Yeah, I know. I think it's the Saints to lose. They got Derek Carr. They're bringing back a, a pretty good defense. Obviously, Chris Olave going into his second year. They're, they're trying to you know establish – the dominant is the Saints to lose, but I don't see an overly strong team in New Orleans. I see a very bad team in Tampa Bay. Sorry, Baker Mayfield. And I see uh, a mid, a very mid team in Atlanta. I don't believe in Desmond Ritter. And so while I look at the Carolina Panthers roster, and I don't see a ton of weapons. Obviously, they traded away DJ Moore to my Chicago Bears. You brought in Adam Thielen. You let Christian. You traded Christian McCaffrey away. You brought in Miles Sanders to run the football. But baby Bryce is apparently still ripping up in practice, making throws, fitting it in the windows, and making and making plays. Look, I think Bryce Young. Whew, I just got this gut feeling. I got this gut feeling that the Panthers are going to win that division this year. And maybe I'm wrong. You'll check back with me in eight months. Obviously, we'll we'll monitor this. But I just got this gut feeling that Bryce Young is going to uh, lead the Panthers to win the NFC South this year and prove ever, to everyone that the size doesn't matter, that Bryce's arm strength and his ability to throw the football is still otherworldly. Look, I said it uh, in previous shows and previous times. Bryce Young is the best quarterback I have ever seen with my own two eyes at this stage in the, their career, period. Look, when he was uh, playing against uh, playing for Alabama, I thought, this kid is a wizard. He's an absolute wizard playing, playing quarterback. He, he has a lot of Aaron Rodgers' arm motions, a lot of his throw deliveries. He has a lot of his escapability. And he's got nice athleticism to run when he needs to. We saw that a handful of times last year when he really needed to. I think Bryce Young is – I'm going to go be bold. I think Bryce Young is going to lead the Carolina Panthers to win the NFC South. And the last thing on Bryce Young for today, look, I was watching Get Up this morning. You know, you got to get going in the morning, get up on ESPN. Uh, sometimes helps me do that. And they're talking about who's going to be the rookie of the year, and they're talking Bijan Robinson. And I'm sorry, are we fools? Are we fools? Are, I mean, look, yes, B. John's going to be a very good player for the Falcons. I, I believe that. Go draft him in your fantasy leagues. He's going to he's gonna be a valuable fantasy football player. 
but it's going to be Bryce Young's to lose. It's Bryce Young's to, or CJ Stroud's to lose. And CJ Stroud, look, I think the Texans are still a year away from being a year away. It's going to be Bryce Young and CJ Stroud's to lose. And so not only do I think that the Carolina Panthers will win the NFC South this coming season, I think Bryce Young is a shoe in to go win uh, the rookie of the year. So if you're gambling, if you are are gambling, let me just pull up uh, Vegas odds for rookie of the year NFL. And you've got, yeah, Bryce Young is plus 400. uh, So he has the second best odds. Bijan has plus 300, has the best odds. uh, And then it goes Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. And then, oh, our man Jameer Gibbs right after that. So Jameer Gibbs comes in one, two, three, four, five, fifth best odds to win the uh, offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I think, uh, I think the, uh, I, I think Bryce Young's going to be a shoe in. Jeff Wade likes to disagree and, and thinks the Saints will win the division. Look, I think the Saints are the favorite. I think the Saints are the favorite, but I just don't know how well everything's going to mold together on offense. Um, and so, uh, look, it might be just the homer take. I love Bryce Young. Uh, and so we'll see what happens in the NFC South this year. Uh, last thing, last thing for the day, and I appreciate everybody watching us. Jeff Wade, love you watching us on Facebook, Twitter. I appreciate everybody watching us on YouTube. You can join Jeff in the comments section if you want to. Comments, questions, queries, and complaints are obviously invited. Let's flip it to softball real quick. We've been here 48 minutes, and we're going to wrap it up here in the next 5 to 10. Let's flip it to Alabama softball real, real quick as a little bit of news dropped. Yesterday, Alabama softball releases a press release uh, saying they're shuffling the staff. Look, all you guys who are diehard Alabama softball fans um, are probably upset because – Coach Patrick Murphy, after Alabama, uh, after Alabama, th- thank you very much, Jeff, after Alabama uh, got eliminated in the World Series, uh, in the Women's College World Series last year, Je- uh, Patrick Murphy says, okay, we're hiring a hitting coach. We're going to hire a full-time hitting coach. And what did he do? He did hire a full-time hitting coach, but he made, it was a promotion from within. It was a promotion. Adam Arbor. Uh, Adam Arbor was a, the former, let's see, the former director of player development. Is that what I had him as? Uh, former, he, basically, Ryan I. Murray took over uh, Adam Arbor's position. Ryan I. Murray gets promoted from stu- from 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 uh, from volunteer, excuse me, from volunteer to full time coordinator of player management. That's what Adam Arbor was in last year, coordinator of player management. Now he is full time third assistant with a focus on hitters and ca- uh, hitters and catchers. Okay, this uh, here's gonna probably be a little negative and might upset the uh, might 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 upset the diehards. I love Patrick Murphy. I do. I, I I love Patrick Murphy. I think that he is absolutely still the right man for this job and absolutely still growing this program. He's poured his heart and soul into the Alabama softball program, but I, this shows just a little bit of my problem with Patrick Murphy. Patrick Murphy is loyal to a fault. Oh, he's loyal to a fault. And now that can be a good thing. Absolutely can be a good thing. Oh, but I think that one of the issues that you've seen over the last couple of years with the Alabama softball team is you've seen a little bit of an, what's the best way to say it? A little bit of an, uh, you know, he, he, he obviously treats it like a family. He does. He treats it like a family and he doesn't, you know, if you have established yourself in the family, you've worked hard, you kind of become a made man or woman. You see the former players hanging around the program, 
And while that is a, a symbol of strength, I also think it's a symbol of maybe sometimes you need to clear out some of the older voices and reset the program. Look, we're going to miss Montana Faust. We're going to miss Jedi Johnson. We're going to miss Ashley Prangy this year. We're going to miss the catcher, Allie Shipman, this year. We are. We're going to miss those girls that are veteran leaders. You go back the year prior. You see Kaylee Tao hanging around the program. I, you know, I, you just have all these people still kind of building on having the same messaging over and over and over again. I think sometimes you got to freshen up. Sometimes you got to freshen up. Now, Adam Arbor, Adam Arbor has been with the program for a long time. He started in 2012. He started with, in 2012 as a volunteer assistant and was on the staff that won the only national championship that the Alabama softball team has pulled in. Ryan I. Murray was a, was a player on that team. And to a certain degree, I do believe in, you know, these people have been here, done that. These people have helped us build the program. But, Coach, I think Coach Murphy had an opportunity right here to maybe mix some things up, maybe bring in some new messaging. Not, not, not saying that Adam Arbor is going to do a bad job. No, I think he's going to work very hard. He's obviously established himself. As someone who, who Coach Murphy trusts, and in Coach Murphy, I trust, ultimately. But I do have a little bit of a thought of, hey, do we need to mix some things up? Hey, do we need to bring new voices in? Not from the top. I think Coach Murphy is the, uh, the perfect leader. But do you need to bring in a, a, somebody else, a different perspective to the hitting? Do you need to bring in a different perspective to player management, to just roster building? I don't know. Uh, and so, you know, that's my uneducated take. And I will fully admit that that's an uneducated take because I am not a softball coach. I have just followed the program, you know, the last 10, 12, 15 years or so. Uh, and, and so, look, Coach Murphy, in Coach Murphy, we trust. But I think that you maybe, Adam Arbor, the pressure's on. And I think the pressure it gets put on him by, you know, promoting from within. And if he ends up having a great, if the hitters end up having a great year, you have a better approach to the plate, a more patient approach to the plate, less less swinging and missing, less slapping, less the uh, less small ball, maybe a little more power. We need some power. You got to get it. You got to get it. Look, ever since Bailey Hemphill has has left the program, Bailey Hemphill, awesome player. Uh, you, you're missing out on the power. You got to get a bat, a power bat. You look at Oklahoma. And obviously, Patty Gasso is building a monster and has built a monster out there in Oklahoma. They got home run power throughout the lineup. And that makes it very, very difficult to play them. And clearly, that part of that is recruiting. And part of that is uh, philosophy. Maybe Alabama can shift just a tad. Look, I think small ball still has its place, definitely. But you got to mix small ball with power. And Adam Arbor, I think pressure is absolutely on him. Uh, to see some success from the hitting side of things this year. So look, I'm going to support the hire. I'm absolutely going to support because because the, they know more than I do. Uh, I'm going to and Ryan I. Ryan I. Murray uh, gets put into this director of player uh, director of uh, let's see director of co coordinator excuse me coordinator of player management, which uh, seems to be described as uh, gathering analytics and, and kind of get, basically being in charge of what to expect and game plans and getting ready for, you know, certain pitchers throw this, throw this pitch in this situation. Uh, so look, I am Murray. I think she's going to do a great job. She has really put her heart and soul into the program, gone from volunteer assistant. Now she is a full-time member of the staff in coordinator of player management. 
So that's going to really wrap us up for this program today. Uh, we talked about Nick Saban and all his comments yesterday. We talked about Pete Rose. We talked about Devontae Smith visiting Mr. Henry Ruggs and Aaron Rodgers visiting uh, or commenting, excuse me, commenting on Bryce Young. And then we wrapped it up with a little bit of softball news as softball made some hires or made some sh- staff changes, staff shuffling. That's probably the best way to put it, staff shuffling yesterday. So, look, I appreciate everybody joining us. Go listen to our other ba- Bama Central podcast, All Things Bama with, with Katie Windham and Austin Hannon. Go listen to Blue Collar Unplugged with Jacob Pickle, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle, Matthew Gibson, and Blake Byler. I always left the, whoever the third one is in my list ever, I always have it like sitting off to the side of my head, side of, side of my brain. Blue Collar Unplugged and All Things Bama. The all, the three of us together, the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central, make up the Bama Central Broadcasting Network. We love and appreciate Chris Walsh for putting us on each and every day. You can read and follow Chris Walsh at Writing Walsh on the Twitter machine. He is the head honcho in charge at Bama Central. Follow us at Bama Central on all the social medias. Read us at BamaCentral.com. We're the Sports Illustrated home for your Alabama Crimson Tide, covering all sports, football, of course, but all sports right there on BamaCentral.com. That's going to do it for my show today. I appreciate everybody watching us. Uh, Jeff Wade, thanks so much for jumping in on the comments today. You guys can always jump in on the comments on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, or just shoot me a DM at wherever you want at Joe Gaither 6 on all the social media platforms. I'll be back tomorrow for another episode we are one day closer now 23 days away from Alabama kicking it off against MTSU and we'll be back for another episode tomorrow of the Joe Gaither show on Pama Central and BamaCentral.com